Hey everybody, welcome to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast, dedicated to raising awareness, sharing IBD stories, and offering support for those with Crohn's and colitis. Together, we can share knowledge, experiences, and help show the world the many faces of IBD. Hi everyone, I just wanted to take a quick second to introduce today's episode. This one is actually a two-part episode with Rachel Eplin Rinker. We had an incredible conversation that covered so many important topics in her journey with Crohn's disease. She's been battling IBD since she was a baby and spent more than 20 years undiagnosed. In this episode, she shared openly how it affected every aspect of her life, from growing up, being misdiagnosed, and how her body handled her pregnancies, including a miscarriage. She also shares how she was finally able to reach remission with the help of Remicade and how her training and nutrition has helped her body to heal. Since we covered so many topics and Rachel had so much knowledge and experience to share, I've broken our conversation into two parts. So this first episode focuses on her journey of misdiagnosis and eventual diagnosis and fertility with lots of great advice for those also struggling to get a diagnosis and how to advocate for yourself along with her experience with IVF and her miracle baby who was conceived naturally once her body had reached complete remission. In part two, she'll share how she learned to retrain her gut to eat a variety of foods, how she handles mini flares and symptoms that still happen occasionally, the, and the important role that fitness has played in her journey and what compelled her to become an active part of the IBD community, raising awareness and advocating for those with Crohn's and colitis. So with that being said, enjoy today's episode and we'll be back next week with part two. Well, hi everyone. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Crohn's warrior since 2006 and lifelong fitness fanatic. My guest today is Rachel Eplin Rinker, who's been battling Crohn's disease for most of her life and for nearly 20 years before she even received a diagnosis. It wasn't until 10 years ago when things had gotten so bad that she begged for a colonoscopy and finally received her official diagnosis of Crohn's disease. It's taken a lot of trial and error, medications, diet and lifestyle changes, but she has achieved remission, is a mom, a fellow fitness fanatic like myself, and passionate about living life. She's here to share her journal, journey, what she's learned along the way, and offer advice for her, from her experience as a Crohn's warrior. Thank you so much for joining me today, Rachel, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I am too. So your journey has certainly been a long and winding one, and I think we're going to have a lot to talk about today. So why don't you start by sharing your Crohn's story and how you finally received your diagnosis? Well, it actually probably started uh, whenever I was a baby. Um, probably around one to two years old, uh, my mom would have to um, put suppositories in me. Um, I would get really constipated. And uh, so, you know, she would use suppositories to help. And... Um, so I'd always had GI issues, you know, starting at a very young age. But, you know, this is back in the very early 80s. And uh, Crohn's really, that is not what you would suspect. You know, you would just suspect that, you know, oh, you know, my baby's constipated. I'm going to help her out. And prop that happened, you know, for the majority of my life. Um, I remember in high school, I would go back and forth between bouts of diarrhea, bouts of constipation, um, stomach aches. Um, that was kind of whenever I was realizing that some foods would would not agree with me. But I mean, again, you know, I mean, you're you're a young a young girl, and you just thought that that was all normal. Um, I and it's not something you want to talk about as a young girl either. <laughs> oh, no, no. That, I mean, it's, it's so, you know, how embarrassing is that, you know? And, mm -hmm. and actually, I should say, I grew up uh, in a medical family. My dad is a family uh, physician. And so he was, I, I, I didn't talk to him, though, about this because, again, it was embarrassing. Um, 
and then it probably started to get really bad um probably later on in my undergrad degree um and at that point it just started going all to diarrhea and again really bad stomach pains um but again didn't talk about it that's embarrassing um you know except uh, my my boyfriend who's now my husband at the time I mean he knew about it but it was just like oh you know that's just the way that you are maybe um but during that time i had also lost a lot of weight like probably you know 20 plus pounds you know probably all at mm -hmm. once and so of course that got um that got the attention you know of of some people but cuz i would you know i would be sitting at the dinner table and i would have to hurry up and leave, you know, to the bathroom. I'm sure that you can identify with that. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, and it was either, it was, you know, diarrhea or um, whenever it started to get really bad, I was also throwing up. And so I do understand, you know, I was, I was then treated for, you know, an eating disorder. Um, everybody was just like, oh, you know, she has anorexia. Because um, you were a small, small frame to begin with. So minus yeah. 20 pounds. That is a lot on me. Yeah, I'm only five foot four. And um, yeah, and I've always been smaller my whole life. And then whenever you lose like that amount of weight, uh, you know, people, they they start to talk. And so automatically it was just like, oh, my gosh, she's anorexic. And so um, my dad, you know, made me see a therapist. And I was humiliated during that time because my, you know, the therapist, everybody around me, they were not taking it seriously you know, like it was, it was, oh, no, no, you're not throwing up, you know, involuntarily, you're making yourself, you're, you're taking laxatives, you are avoiding this food because you're afraid of it. Mm -hmm. No, no, I'm avoiding, you know, this high fat, mm, you know, which still bothers me. Um, uh, too much uh, baked goods, you know, very rich foods, because they make me feel horrible. Mm -hmm. But I went through the motions and I thought, okay, maybe I'm missing something, you know, and I started to doubt myself. And, and it's hard too because you think about how much, I know for me, I really became to fear food in the beginning. Oh, And so yes. that kind of messes with your mind too yes. when you're afraid to eat and, yeah. and then you're listening to all these outside sources and all these different mixed thoughts coming in that it's, yes. it's a difficult spot. And, and those people that are trying to help you, you know, doubting everything that you're saying. And so you, you doubt yourself and you're, you're like, well, this is all in my head. You know, like maybe, maybe I don't have these pains. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's because I don't eat enough. Maybe it's because, you know, I like to exercise, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. And I mean, it, and it hurts really bad. And then you do start to fear the food. And then what do outside sources see? They just see more of that eating, you know, disorder behavior. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and you know, and the thing is, is, um, social media, it really did not exist back then. And so I was completely alone, <laughs> <Lucky> but <for laughs> us. I kind of, yeah, I'm so glad I went through high school without Facebook. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but whenever I talk to a lot of girls and, and guys, you know, too, yeah. um, this is a common experience that we all, that we had, you know, because again, you lose a lot of weight, you have the, the issues around food. And so your doctor just automatically thinks that you have an eating disorder. Um, yeah. I, I hope that that's changing now. <laughs> I think, I think having the technology and the internet, cause just like you were saying, there's, you know, we grew up without Facebook in high school, but yeah, it wasn't until Right. As I was graduating high school, the, you know, 99, that really going to the internet was kind of becoming a thing. Like I remember researching colleges on the internet and that was mm -hmm. so new. Like it was dial up. World, so it was exactly it was dial up. It was like same modem, but <laughs> it was horrible. So we didn't have the resource. We couldn't just go to the forum and check all the blogs right. and who's exactly. dealing with IBD. So I think exactly. That has made a difference these days, but yeah. And, but go ahead and, and continue. well, and you know, and then pretty soon, um, this went on for a while, but then pretty soon I was developing all of these other, um, really weird, um, side effects, weird, you know, for me, 
I was, I had rashes all over my body. Um, it's not that they itched or anything. No cream could take them away. Um, I was having night, I was having night sweats every night. Um, I couldn't sleep, you know, because I was hot. I was cold. I was having fevers. I was chills. Um, I would be throwing up. I would have diarrhea 20 plus times a day. Um, my hair was falling out. Um, I had no appetite and I was just sick all the time. And did you, did you ever think you were going to figure this out when you were at, <laughs> I mean, that had to be a pretty rough spot to be in. Well, you think this here, here's the funny part, because again, the internet, it was, it was, you know, still no, no social media for me yet. But, um, I, I would type in these symptoms like rashes and I had thrush in my mouth too, as well. And, mm -hmm. um, night sweats. And do you want to know what only came up that I had what? HIV? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so that I was like, <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. But you know what, why that, why HIV came up is because my immune system was shutting down. Mm -hmm. And you know, with, with HIV AIDS, that's, you know, it's all immune system connected. Mm -hmm. And so here I am completely terrified. <laughs> Um, I knew that I didn't have HIV. I actually went out and got an HIV test because oh, I was wow. so scared and no one was listening to me. And did that, you tell course, anyone that you were taking the test or did, were my you husband, keeping all of this inside? My, no, my, my, my husband knew all of this mm -hmm. and he was Good. like, and he was like, uh, why are you don't need that? And I was like, I know, but I just needed to, I just mm -hmm. needed to rule it out for myself because the internet says this is what I have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, at the same time I was telling my dad and I was, I was like kind of screaming in my head, like, you know, something is wrong and, and he couldn't figure it out. He wasn't ignoring me, but he, I, I don't know. He just, he was like, I don't know what this is. Yeah. And uh, then, you know, with all these symptoms, and I'm sure, you know, you know what the fatigue feels like. Mm -hmm. um, I would just lay on my couch and I was completely immobilized. Um, I wouldn't drink anything. I wouldn't eat anything. And I would just lay there. And in my head, I was like, this is what it feels like to die. I just felt mm -hmm. like my body was completely shutting down. And my husband would call and he would be like, are you okay? Are you alive? And I'm wow. like, yes, I'm, I'm still alive. And then one morning I had had enough and at 6 AM, um, th so this was April of 2009, mm -hmm. uh, I called my dad at 6 AM and I said, I need a colonoscopy and I need one now. And I don't know if it was the tone of my voice. I don't know if it was to make me happy, but he goes, okay. He goes, we'll get you one. And I went in a week later. And the whole time, you know, everybody still is like, oh, well, you know, we're just doing this to make you happy. You know, we're not going to find anything. You're probably just really mm -hmm. sick. And I was wow. like, well, let's hope that I am just really sick. Yeah. And so I was being prepped and, uh, you know, in, in the room and it was, it was done by a doctor um, who I had known my entire life um, because he worked at the same practice as my dad. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the nurse was, you know, getting the, the propofol ready, you know, to put in my vein. Mm -hmm. And he, he was standing over me. And this is something that I will never forget. He, he looked at me and he just goes, this is a complete waste of my time. We are not going to find anything. Wow. And I just looked and I, you know, at that time I was just so defeated and I just oh, went, yeah. I just went, uh-huh. Your heart had to just sink. Like, I mean, you my know, heart feels like that sinking feeling just yeah, imagining I, myself in that spot. And that, you know, and, and I, I, I will say, though, that that, that doctor, though, we, we're actually on great terms now. Um, mm -hmm. Because whenever he went in, um, he couldn't even, he couldn't even finish the colonoscopy. Because my colon which I had had Crohn's disease for so long and had symptoms for so long that it was collapsed on itself. It wasn't even wow. functioning. And he couldn't, and he couldn't go in there because he thought he was going to perforate or, you know, perforate me. Mm -hmm. And so he stopped and he went out in the waiting room where my husband was. Uh, my dad was actually in New York city at the time visiting my brother. So he wasn't in town, but my mm -hmm. husband was out there and he just, and he looks at my husband, he just goes, 
Um, I couldn't finish. She's very sick. I'm very worried about her. Wow. <laughs> and walked out again. How did your husband take that? <laughs> and, well, he he goes, I just stood there stunned. He was like, I didn't know wow. what to do. And so he um he called my dad and and of course my my dad is panicking, my husband's panicking. I'm, you know, still in I'm still under, you know, and stuff. And whenever I woke up, um, the doctor told me, he just goes, you have uh, one of the most severe c cases of colitis I've ever seen. And I was, and I go, what is colitis? Yeah, I, I that didn't like, come up I, on Google. No, it didn't. <laughs> I had no idea what colitis was. I had no idea what Crohn's was. Um, and that was it. That was, that was all he told me. Wow. And I was sent home with a uh, very large prescription for uh, prednisone, you know, steroids, um, mm -hmm. which is the devil drug. I vow never to go back on that again. <laughs> but, I've heard uh, many people say that. I, oh, I don't know how I avoided it, but oh, everyone I've heard so talk lucky. about prednisone. Is it, it makes you feel wonderful for about a day or two because really it, it, it kind of gets your life back you know, and, and, and in a way it, it is a wonderful drug, you know, for a lot of people, but then, uh, then you realize you can't sleep and you can eat absolutely everything in the house and you will never be satisfied, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's not a drug that, that you want to stay on long-term if, if, if you can. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so I, I got an appointment, um, at the, uh, wonderful Barnes Jewish hospital here in, in St. Louis, um, mm -hmm. with the, uh, with the doctor who was the head of the GI department within like a few days, because that's how severe I was. Wow. And, um, and he was great. And, and, uh, and he goes, he said, well, he goes, um, I'm not in the business of, you know, I don't want to take out your colon. You know, I, I really don't. He said, because there are so many medications out there. He goes, I really think that we can avoid this. And I was like, okay, what do we need to do? And of course, you know, I had another colonoscopy through him. Um, and uh, we started out on, you know, all the basic medications. Um, is it azothioprine? Um, I, I can't even remember. It's been 10 years since I've yeah. been on all of those. Imurin. Oh, yeah. Uh, Imurin. I totally forgot about that one. Um, <laughs> so, so, and he was like, call me back in like, you know, a few days if these aren't working. Well, of course I was constantly calling back. Cause I'm just like, I'm, you know, this is horrible. I feel horrible. This is not working. Uh, so, and then we moved on, uh, to the biologics, you know, which, um, mm -hmm. uh, I actually went on Remicade like right away. And as soon as, as soon as I got Remicade, um, which is, uh, for anybody who's unfamiliar, it's an IV drug that you get, um, depending on your severity, I get mine every eight weeks and it's about mm -hmm. two and a half hours. And, um, to me, it's been a, it's been a wonder drug. Um, within probably about six months, I was feeling a lot better. Wow. Um, so did that I, help heal, like uncollapse the colon? Did it help heal the tissues in there? Or? So I've, yes, it does. And, and, uh, that's one of the great things about Remicade, and, and this is my experience. I know that this is not everyone's experience, um, but my experience is, is uh, it does heal, it does heal the gut, you know, from the inside out because they were doing colonoscopies on me. Um, I've had over 10, I've, I lost count after eight, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't even care anymore. I get one once a year now, but um, yeah. <laughs> It's like a Christmas uh, card. You just <laughs> get one I, annually. I, ca I call it my yearly cleanse, you know, like I don't <laughs> cleanse or do anything, but it's my yearly cleanse, you know, where, where I just flush everything Definitely out. A cleanse. <laughs> As you know, yes. <laughs> I think I saw you post a picture of your, you go out for like a big meal. And I do. eat all this stuff that you can't eat beforehand oh, because it's yes. just going to come right I, out. <laughs> I eat all the things that kill me like onion rings. And, and, uh, because I know that within 12 hours, it's going to be out of, it's going to be out of me anyway. So I just don't care. <laughs> it's a good way to kind of look forward to the colonoscopy. <laughs> I, I kind of, well, I kind of do. And that, and, and, 
Uh, my and my yeah. doctor knows that too because I call it my yearly cleanse. You know, I'm just like, all right, mm -hmm. you know, I'm on the fitness train here with all with the cleanses because you normally know, <laughs> don't do that. Who needs the green drink when you uh, can do a colonoscopy? <laughs> that, that's right. Everybody just needs to go out, go get themselves some Go Lightly. Or <laughs> what what I do is uh, now they have the prep where it's the whole bottle of Miralax. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's actually better because then you don't taste it, unlike the Go Lightly, which is very oily. Uh, and you also have to take um, laxative pills, though, too. But really, I I don't care. At the, I don't care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, any – I whatever. It doesn't matter. But uh, – <laughs> So tell me what the journey was like once you started with the Remicade and you were starting to achieve remission. What was it to finally start hitting that point? Um, I think I thought that I was in remission for a lot longer uh, than, than what my body actually was because um, what I considered remission is that, you know, I was up. Um, again, I didn't feel like I was dying anymore. All of the, mm -hmm. the really weird symptoms, you know, the, the thrush and the night sweats and, um, you know, the throwing up, all of that went away. Um, my appetite came back. Um, I was able to tolerate some foods, not all. Um, I think, I think a lot of people think that just because you are in remission or if you're on, um, a very heavy duty drug like Remicade that, that you can do whatever you want. And that's, that's not my case. Um, it wasn't mine either. I quickly discovered that even when I was on Humira, I quickly learned I still have to watch what I eat. Yes, you do because the, the disease is still there. And, uh, even I, I try to wish it away all the time. And, um, sometimes, and you know, I was feeling so good. I was even Asked my doctor, I'm like, you sure that I have Crohn's because I feel great. And she was just like, <laughs> you take a biopsy of your colon, even mm -hmm. in the greatest of remission, the Crohn's is right there. She goes, it's very obvious. And I'm like, oh, I think it's darn. a big mind game. Yeah, it's a mind game. Once you start feeling well, because yes. I've I've found myself in that same spot where it's like, maybe I don't have this anymore. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Maybe I'm I'm the one who beat it. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and no <laughs> no because it will quickly remind you that it's mm -hmm. there and and uh because i it's not that i've dipped back into like a the flare that i had before i was diagnosed but um you know i'll have like maybe what i call mini flares mm -hmm. to where i will have these weird rashes come up still and um my stomach is just or, you know, my, my whole gut, you know, is, is very painful. And I would always get a lot of pain in my ilium area. That's where my disease mainly is, is in my ilium. And, uh, right there, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, and, and, and you just kind of go over in pain and it's not, it's not because of any food. It's not because of what I've done or stress. It's just, it just comes on and, and that's my life. And you just kind of learn to deal with it. And you, you learn when it's serious and you learn when it's not, you know, yeah. unfortunately, because if you call your GI doc and they would be like, well, when's your next Remicade? You know, <laughs> like there's, there's really nothing we can do unless you want to go back on prednisone. And it's like, nope, nope, nope. I'm good. I'm good. How long would you say that you've been in remission now? Because you kind of had this period of feeling better, feeling better, mm -hmm. but still not in remission. Well, and this kind of brings us in um, to the whole uh, infertility, if if you want to talk about that um, next, because well, I, before we do that, yeah, I can't. Um, let's hold the the thought there, because mm -hmm. as we kind of wrap out, close up this little piece, I do want to ask because it took you so long to get that diagnosis, mm -hmm. and you struggled with this as you said, literally your whole life since you were a baby. Mm -hmm. And then you just kind of kept hitting your head against a wall of not getting a diagnosis and being misdiagnosed. So what advice would you give? Because there are a lot of a lot of new, newly diagnosed or mm -hmm. undiagnosed people that reach mm -hmm. out to me a lot, people that listen to the podcast and they're in that that time of not having a diagnosis, but they have yeah. all these symptoms that match. So what kind of advice would you give to someone like that who's early on in their IBD journey of 
trying to figure out what's happening. I wish that I would have been more annoying. And I mean annoying Mm -hmm. as in not letting this go, you know, not not uh not ignoring myself and be annoying as in constantly telling my medical professionals you know this is happening this is not in my head and mm-hmm. and document everything that happens um you know like are you running a fever you know write down and 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 really you know show show it to them um i you know fight cuz i i I think that we've all had to fight, you know, to, to get this diagnosis. Um, I, I think, I, I don't, I don't know how bad it is now because I think that now with our voices, you know, and especially with your podcast and stuff, Crohn's is becoming more in the limelight. Um, and, uh, because it, it is, it's an embarrassing disease. It really is. Yeah. You know I mean? You're even as much as we talk about it, it's still embarrassing. (laughs) it, It really is because especially, uh, you know, you're out in public and, and if, if you've had an accident, I mean, I, I think that Mm -hmm. we've all been there and that is humiliating. But the thing is, is that you, you really have to fight and, and you have to fight to get this diagnosis. Sometimes you even have to fight to get a colonoscopy because if you're in your teens or your twenties, a doctor's not just going to say, oh, let's do a colonoscopy on you, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and, and furthermore, insurance probably would say no to that. Um, but that's what you just have to keep doing is just keep fighting, being annoying and, and really demand it. You know, you know, what's going on. Um, you should not be in this much pain. These symptoms should not be happening. This is not normal, you know, for, for your body to react like this. And I'm talking day after day after day, you know, it's one day of diarrhea. Okay. You know, everybody's been there, but it's whenever it's been happening for so long and then whenever you have pain associated with it and and you know the 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 weirder things that people can't you know put their finger on like for for me my rashes my um thrush my night sweats stuff like that um realize that that's not normal and that you know just uh you just have to keep keep going back to them until until you get an answer it's a great, great tip, great advice to just not give up. And I love that you pointed out to document everything and yeah. really keep that journal of all those symptoms of really showing this is not normal. So right. great advice. Right. All right. So now let's go ahead and jump back into kind of how you finally achieved remission mm-hmm. and how many years you think you've actually been there and kind of lead into that fertility question you were alluding to. Well, and I, and I brought up the infertility with remission because, um, whenever I was a teenager, I had a very normal average, you know, cycle. And, um, then in my, uh, mid twenties, um, my period actually stopped and, um, it didn't make any sense why it stopped. It just did. And, uh, we were newly married and we wanted to have kids right away. probably about, Mm -hmm. you know, a month um, after we were married, we decided that we wanted to try. And um, my cycle never came back, never came back. And of course, if you don't have a cycle, you can't get pregnant. And so, you know, you start at the bottom, you know, you just go to your OBGYN and they put you on, you know, some ovulation drugs or whatever. And um, you have to do that for about a year. And then I think it was for me after about a year and a half as uh, whenever I went to go see um, an infertility doctor. And during that time, whenever I was seeing the infertility doctor, that was also overlapping whenever I was my sickest with my Crohn's. Mm-hmm. Um, was it before you had the official diagnosis? This was before, yes. Yeah, this was before. This was probably 2007, and I got my official diagnosis in 2009. So, um, you know, this was all overlapping and, (laughs) you know, and, and she, she, um, she was concerned, you know, about this and she just goes, you know, we have to get you squared away, you know, with whatever health issue is happening right here. So we're going to take a break, you know, because they couldn't find anything wrong. My hormone levels were all normal, you know, everything was normal. You know, I mean, they did a lot of ultrasounds and, and there was nothing wrong. And, uh, so 
really what was happening now that I look back, uh, whenever mm -hmm. you are that sick, your body shuts things down, <laughs> you know, especially yeah. as, especially as women, you know, um, your body's like, oh, no, 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 we cannot have a baby right now. We cannot get pregnant right now. And then, you know, jump forward then to 2009, got my diagnosis, um, went about a year, um, you know, whenever I was stable on the Remicade. And uh, then I decided, we decided to go back to the infertility doctor and she goes, that's great, um, but you need to prove to me that you are in remission. And to prove it, you go in for another colonoscopy. So um, colonoscopy showed remission. I was, you know, I was healed. I was healing up very nicely and, um, you know, I was good to go. Now, quick question. Uh -huh. when, you were, when you were seeing that infertility doctor, kind of that first round, that first time, and they said, you've got to get healed, whatever's going on. Mm -hmm. Did they help in that process or was it just kind of like a, a see you later, go figure out what's going on? <laughs> um, I, I, she didn't know <laughs> what was going yeah. <laughs> on. So it was, it was more of a like referring back, like you need to go see your regular doctor, you know, like, hey, I just deal with the infertility stuff. I don't know what's going on, you know, with all of this. Yeah. But, you know, obviously you're not having periods and something is going on, you know, with, with, with your body. And so, um, no, she didn't have any answers or anything for me. <laughs> A tough cycle to kind of be in where yeah. one doctor says something's wrong, go figure it out. Another doctor says nothing's wrong. You're just in your head. And you ping pong <laughs> between the two of them, you know, or, yeah. or between, you know, whatever doctors you're seeing. <laughs> so, yeah, but she, uh, then I went back in in um probably 2011 and uh had a uh, successful um transfer you know of of my embryos we had to do um i would say the big guns the ivf um mm -hmm. you know where they where they take out you know my eggs combine them um with sperm and and grow them and then um insert them back into the woman in case anybody um is unfamiliar with IVF. Mm -hmm. um, very humbling and it, <laughs> process. Yeah, very. And it, at this point, had they told you that you were not going to be able to get pregnant naturally as you were still going through the infertility stuff? Is that why they recommended the IVF? They did because, and also it was, uh, even though the colonoscopy was showing remission, it was like, I, I still didn't get the periods back. And uh, at this point, I, I was 30, and they consider old 35, <laughs> you know, so it yeah. was, and, and you know, kids. <laughs> yeah, and, and I didn't want to go through the whole, like, wait and see, wait and see, you know, and because I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm already 30, I'm already here, um, so let, yeah, let, let, let's do this, mm -hmm. because I, I did not have an answer. And, uh, and, and that was fine because, uh, they see a lot of unexplained, you know, infertility. Um, so I wasn't unusual, you know, in, in their eyes. And, um, I, I did actually get successfully, um, pregnant. Um, they inserted two embryos in me and, um, both took. So I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm pregnant with twins. This is absolutely wonderful. Um, figured out that one was a boy, one was a girl, um, you know, mm -hmm. how perfect is that? You know, I was feeling good um, because uh, I, the, the stats are um, whenever you have Crohn's, whenever in pregnancy, um, a third of the women will stay the same, meaning they don't have symptoms, you know, they won't get worse, they won't get better, they will just stay the absolute same. A third of the women will get better and a third of the women will get worse. And I would say that I was probably a third that stayed the same. Um, I still felt great, um, but nothing, you know, nothing like greatly improved. Nothing, um, you know, got dramatically worse either. Mm -hmm. Oh, and actually I should backtrack. Um, so during this whole time, of course, you know, I'm, I'm scared to death. You know, I, all I'm thinking about is keeping my, my, my pregnancy safe, you know, and my baby safe. And I did the bad thing of Googling um, Remicade pregnancy. <laughs> um, 
instead, instead of, you know, just asking my doctor. And of course you kind of saw like the right. whole spectrum. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, these people, um, they're talking about their experience and, and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, um, oh, I went off of it, you know, because they say that there's birth defects all over the place and, or, you know, you lose your pregnancy and blah, blah, blah. And, and of course I was terrified, you know, because mm -hmm. I had worked so hard for this. And so I went to see my doctor who was the same doctor that I had. And, uh, and he looked at me and, and he was like, no, you stay on Remicade because I tell you to. And mm. that didn't sit well with me, you know, because <laughs> I had already had, you know, some bad experiences. And I just said, I don't feel safe, you know, on this drug while being pregnant. And, and he completely argued with me and said, I didn't know what wow. I was talking about. And so I went home and spoke to my dad about, um, you know, his behavior. And, and my dad was like, oh, you know, we should look into maybe getting you another doctor. And, um, I did switch and I actually got a woman doctor, um, who, mm -hmm. you know, more understood. I went in to see her. I said, you know, I, I've worked really hard for this pregnancy. Um, I've been through a lot, you know, with the IVF and I'm scared to death to take Remicade. And she just goes, okay. She said, she sat me down. She showed me studies, you know, like the real, you know, medical studies and, you know, the percentages, you know, the chances and, you know, all the success stories and stuff. And she just goes, here's what we have. She said, mm -hmm. and, you know, my advice is absolutely stay on it because if you go in a flare, you're going to hurt your baby. Yeah. And I had never thought of it that way before. And so I did end up going back on the Remicade. And um, what a great doctor to sit down with you and to really lay it all out and yes. have a discussion and show it. And and have and, and and treated me like I you know wasn't an idiot, <laughs> exactly. you know like you know treated me like you know uh like like a smart person and and that I could comprehend mm -hmm. all of this stuff. I still have her too to this day. She's terms. yeah, and she's still my doctor because at that moment I just fell in love with her, <laughs> and uh, she she's just wonderful. Um, she's I just love her. And uh, so anyway, so I, I was feeling great. I went back on the Remicade, no problem. But then um, I went in for the uh, big 20-week ultrasound and uh, they had discovered that my cervix, which the cervix is um, keeps in the baby, you know, in, in very non-medical <laughs> terms, um, <laughs> it, um, it had shortened like next to nothing. And, um, um, whenever a cervix shortens, that means, you know, that your body thinks that it, it's going into labor and, uh, and the person, um, the ultrasound tech, she, uh, she was like, um, yeah, I, I really don't know what to tell you. And the doctor said, well, she goes, we, we can't bring it back. You know, you, you can't bring a, a cervix back. And they were like, just lay low, um, see what your body does. But I think it was like two, two days later, um, I went into labor and I was 19 weeks pregnant and, uh, went to the hospital, my water broke and, um, my daughter was born first and she had mm -hmm. actually, um, died, uh, before, before I had delivered her, but my son, um, came probably about two minutes after her and being 19 weeks, um, he actually lived, I think it was for about 77 minutes, wow. um, is how long he lived. And it, that, that was probably the worst day, um, of my life because I had worked so hard, you know, to get these, you know, to, to have kids and to get pregnant and here, you know, I thought I was going to have a boy and a girl and then it just went away. And do they know have any reason why? I mean, I know sometimes it just they happens. Just, oh. Cervical failure. Cervical fa yeah. failure was was the cause is what they told me. And um later, you know, whenever I had, you know, picked myself back up and and just said, mm -hmm. Yes, I want to try again. Um, because I'm, I'm not years ago, correct? This was two thousand um, October seventeenth of uh, twenty eleven is whenever they were born. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. So this has been a while, 
and uh, they said that I could retry within six months. And but they said, you know, a cervical failure with two babies, two placentas, that's a lot of pressure, you know, to, to put, you know, and you're upright, you know, you're standing upright. So then you have gravity, you know, up against your cervix too. And they said, um, you still have four frozen embryos. Um, we will only implant one. And the chance of a single frozen embryo <laughs> to take, you know, to, to, to get pregnant and, and, and actually, you know, um, have a healthy baby, I think was like less than 10%. And wow. I was like, okay. I was like, well, Hey, you know what? I've been through the ringer. Hey, let's do it again. So mm -hmm. tell um, me before you, before you jump in there, how was, mm -hmm. how did you manage, how did this stress of the miscarriage, did that affect your Crohn's and kind of how did you keep managing through that? Did it flare up? Were you okay? <sighs> That's a lot to yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, even to this day, I think that I've kind of blocked out, um, like a lot of the details about, you know, what I was actually like. I do remember, um, I do remember my doctor saying, you know, please don't skip any, you know, Remicade because yeah, because of the stress, you know, and, and stuff like that, we need to keep you healthy. And I, mm -hmm. I do remember going into, uh, my next Remicade appointment, my mom went with me. Um, I was only probably a few weeks um, after after the twins, and the nurse who was there, she she knew that that I was pregnant, and um, but mm. she did not know that I had lost the kids. And uh, whenever I sat down, and she just goes, "Oh my gosh, you know, how's your pregnancy going?" and all of that, I just looked at her and just started bawling my eyes out, like I couldn't even, I could not stop, and and she. Yeah, I, she, she didn't know, you know, it was nothing against her and she, you know, she was wonderful helping me through this. Um, I think since I was so razor focused, you know, on having a baby and stuff that I probably wasn't even thinking about my Crohn's that I was, mm -hmm. you know, I was probably, you know, eating very safe. Um, I really, you know, wasn't, you know, doing much movement or anything. I was just like, Crohn's be quiet, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to help you, you know, in every way that I can. I just need to get pregnant again. Um, yeah. How long did you wait? Did you wait the six months? Six months. They recommended? Yeah, six mm -hmm. months. And the single frozen embryo took. And wow. um, he's my oldest. <laughs> he was born November 19th of um, 2012. Um, so he's six and a half years old and, uh, with his pregnancy, it was, it was a very, very, very stressful pregnancy. And, and the Crohn's did kind of creep in a little bit, you know, like I was severely constipated, like most pregnant women are severely constipated. Um, but then, you know, I would have diarrhea again and I, I ate very bland though, because I did not want anything to interfere with this. And I went to all my Remicade appointments I never missed. Um, so that was probably a saving grace right there. And um, I, I carried him, you know, full term. I did still have cervical issues, but they weren't as bad um, with the twins. So mm -hmm. um, I, and I was like, I am one and done. I am not going through that again. <laughs> You know, there's, <laughs> there is no way that I'm going through this IVF business again or the business of pregnancy ever again because I had just had such horrible experience. And that's what I thought, you know, and that was the plan. Yeah. Because. <laughs> <laughs> because this will tie, this will tie it all in here. Um, so what, what I thought was remission um, probably really wasn't. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, I. I had Nathan and um, things were going great and and I I nursed him still on Remicade um you know so all of that worked out great for me if anybody is wondering um no side effects or anything from Remicade it kept me healthy him healthy you know and all of us good but uh so he was probably 2 and um I actually started to get my period back and it was very sporadic. It was sporadic, you know, which 
<laughs> as someone who who hadn't had one, you know, in probably um, yeah. ten years, you <laughs> know, is this? this is exciting. <laughs> I know that a lot of women are like, yeah. "Oh my God, I would die not to have one." But whenever you're trying to have children, that's all you want is one. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, it was very sporadic, and it would come, and then you know, it'd be six weeks later, and then it would be four weeks, and then it would be months, you know, before it would come back. And uh, mm -hmm. and then I. I had one and then it kind of stopped again. It was probably about um, about four months and I didn't get one back. And I was just like, ah, whatever, you know, if the, you know, doctor's not concerned about it. I'm not concerned about it because I'm, I'm done having kids. Your body's like the little engine that could. It's like, I, I think know I can. <laughs> I, it's just going to keep going because it got pregnant all on its own. And um, that that was probably the most shocking news I had ever received in my life. <laughs> uh, and how, how many years was this apart from your oldest? Two years. Two years. Whenever I found out oh. that I was that I was pregnant, just over two. They're they're two and a half years apart. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, and and whenever I talked to my GI doctor, my dad, everybody, they were like, you know your, your Crohn's was, it, it was probably completely dormant. You know, um, I had been on Remicade consistently for years. Um, my body had healed itself. My colon had healed itself and my body was starting to function again. Um, I know that sounds really simple, but you know, I mean, it took many, many years, you know, to, to come to that point. And the, the funny thing is though, is that with, Michael with my, with my youngest, who he is, he'll be four, um, next month. I had no, I had no cervical issues with him. I had no high blood pressure. I, I didn't have anything with him. His pregnancy was like picture perfect. Wow. <laughs> um, still just ate very blandly though, you know, didn't want to rock the boat there too, too much, but, uh, yeah, I, I think it was, and they all say it's because, you know, the Crohn's was just, you know, it, it wasn't showing up in any way, shape or form. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, you, that's amazing. And you've done a lot uh, with diet and fitness too, yeah. in conjunction with the Remicade. So I want to talk about that in just a second here mm -hmm. of, of how you've gotten so healthy, but what advice would you give for other females out there who are having infertility issues or considering being pregnant, what kind of overall advice would you give them? I would say, um, and, and definitely, uh, it, especially if you're struggling with infertility and if you're, you know, have to go through IVF or IUI, um, or, or take any, any sort of, um, hormonal medication to help you get pregnant, make sure you're in remission because if, you, you as a woman have to be healthy in order to carry a healthy baby and have a healthy pregnancy. Um, you don't want to take any risk, you know, of being vitamin deficient, um, of your baby not getting the nutrients it needs, um, in utero. Um, I know that I, I was in remission with Nathan, but with Michael, I was, you know, completely, you know, in remission, but, um, if, if you can't, which I know that I know that some women can get pregnant uh, whenever the disease is, is present, but that's just miserable. <laughs> like, you know, if you, <laughs> if you think about being in a flare and then being, you know, eight months pregnant on top of that, I, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine what that's like, but, um, and, and also listen to your GI doctor and, and really trust them. They, they will not steer you in any way to do anything harmful to your baby. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, I, I trust mine so much. And, um, if, if you need to be, um, certain about medications, like, you know, cause Remicade that, you know, that's a big deal drug, you know, and, and I'm, mm -hmm. you're taking this while, while pregnant, of course you're scared. Um, ask to see those studies, be in communication, ask the questions, um, you know, demand answers about it. Do not go on the internet because <laughs> just don't do it <laughs> because you, you don't know where those, they're, they're probably not even studies, you know, they're, they're just yeah. people making up stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, and th that's the thing is, and, and also, um, make sure, uh, and this is, 
kind of an important one. Um, since I went to the same hospital with both of my doctors, my GI doctor and my OBGYN, they automatically got notes. You know, if I went to see my GI doctor, it got sent to my OBGYN mm -hmm. and vice versa. So they were always in the loop with each other and they communicated um, very well. Um, that's a great, that's a great tip there. Yeah. And, and if, and if they aren't, um, in the same hospital or connected, then, um, I know, you know, they can email notes or, or communicate, um, you know, in any which way, uh, that you can, because, you know, it, it's one thing for us to communicate back and forth, but really, you know, they're not, they're not getting the whole picture, you know, if, if professionals aren't mm -hmm. communicating with other professionals. So I hope that helps. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely great advice. All right, everyone, we're going to pause it here for today, and we'll pick right back up next week with the second part of this interview with Rachel, where she'll be sharing more of her journey in talking about how nutrition, exercise, and medications have led her to the best health of her life. She shares tips for managing flares, balancing life, and learning to listen to her body through it all. So we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have an IBD story, either as a patient or a family member that you'd like to share as a guest on this podcast, or if you have a topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email at Crohn'sFitnessFood at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about me and my Crohn's journey, follow me on Instagram using at Crohn's Fitness Food, or visit my blog for in-depth articles about my struggles and victories with Crohn's through diet, fitness, and lifestyle at www.cronesfitnessfood.com. And finally, remember, be strong, be grateful, and be the warrior that you are.